So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman came, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying it to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well and with his sons and flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give you will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you, are, the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir... I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that Jesus was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I understand from... Those who look after me, that 
I need to drink about 64 ounces of water a day to be healthy. Eight glasses, eight ounces each. 64 ounces of water. So, well, I don't often go to the tap at the sink to satisfy my thirst. How about you? I go to the grocery store. And what a dizzying set of choices await me there. There's not just water. There's soda water and tonic water, mineral springs water, artesian springs water, mountain springs water, imported from Poland, imported from France, imported from Maine of all places. Fluorinated, non-fluorinated, all kinds of choices when it comes to the water that I need to quench my thirst. But it's not just water, is it? Have you been down the juice aisle lately? Grape juice, apple juice, orange juice. But there's all sorts of creative combos too. Pineapple, banana, cranberry, raspberry, cranberry, strawberry, even pomegranate, blueberry. Then there's the milk aisle. Regular milk, 2% milk, low-fat milk, buttermilk, lactose-free, skim milk. And if you're overwhelmed by that, don't even start down the soda aisle. Then there's the coffee. Regular, decaffeinated, liqueur-flavored, cinnamon-flavored, Colombian, French roast, Ecuadorian, Honduran, European, you name it. And then there's the beer and the wine, but we're not allowed to talk about those in the United Methodist Church. (laughs) 2,000 years ago, a Samaritan woman came to an ancient well with the same need. She needed a drink. She was a human being with the same physical needs that I have today. She'd probably been coming to Jacob's well all her life, every day. There were no grocery stores with crowded shelves then. She satisfied her thirst with water from that well every day. It was routine. Something she always did. Something she understood. And she, this particular woman, was not well thought of in her community. So she came to the well at a time when no one else was typically there. In the heat of the day. After many people and before many others would have come to the well. She came there at a time when she knew she would be alone. And no one would bother her or taunt her. But on this particular day, a stranger was there, a prophet named Jesus. She did not recognize him, and immediately he begins to puzzle her. He, a Jewish man, initiates a conversation with a Samaritan woman, something that never happened. He was crossing two social boundaries at once. Not only did Jews have little to do with Samaritans, there was long-standing, centuries-old animosity between those two groups of people. But in addition to that, a man would never engage a woman in conversation in a public place. But Jesus says, give me a drink. And it's no wonder, because it was the noon hour, that this woman... And Jesus were thirsty. So he asks her for a drink. 
But soon he also begins to talk with her about something that he calls living water. A water, a kind of water that will leave a person never thirsting again. At the first, the the Samaritan woman thinks that that he means um, flowing water, water flowing as opposed to flat water. Sir, she said, where do you get this living water? I would love not to be thirsty again, and, and I would especially enjoy not having to come out to this well and lower my bucket in and pull the water up every day and haul it back to my house. Where do you get this living water? And Jesus tells her that Whoever drinks from the living water that he will give will have a river of living water flowing up inside of them. Sir, she says, give me this water. And then Jesus seemingly changes the subject in in a thoroughly unexpected, illogical way. First, he said, go get your husband. Very strange request. Odd sort of twist in the conversation. Ah, but she says, I have no husband. No, wait. She's had five husbands, and the one she's living with now is not her husband. So that twist in the story leaves us confused, not only about what Jesus is doing and where he's going with this conversation, but what all this means. Does the Samaritan woman live in any formal committed relationship at all? It looked like she's consumed husband relationships in the same manner that many of us choose something to drink today. We have so many choices that we try to choose them all. Those relationships have not satisfied her. And she's ended up now in a relationship that is no marriage at all. We human beings may may not have always had so many choices as we have now about what we drink. Our beverage choices today can overwhelm us. But we've always had other kinds of choices. That's part of what it means to be human, to have choices. We've always had choices about how to satisfy our deepest needs, our needs for intimacy and for love and for security and for work and for truth itself. We choose and we choose and we choose trying to satisfy those deep needs for refreshment. But our meager choices never satisfy. Maybe the Rolling Stones were right. I can't get no satisfaction. (laughs) You remember? And I try and I try and I try, but I can't get no satisfaction. I think this is a story about satisfaction. It's a story about any kind of satisfaction. Jesus talks about two particular types, the satisfaction of a, of, of, a, of a satisfying drink, but also the satisfaction of a relationship, a marriage. Could have been the satisfaction of a career or a job. Could have been the satisfaction of moving from place to place. Though there are many years between us and the Samaritan woman, Though we go about satisfying our thirst in very different ways, though we view marriage and relationships differently than she did, still we are always seeking to satisfy our needs, to find satisfaction. And very often, we do a faulty job of it, just as this woman was doing. A couple of weeks ago, I... um, I, saw on the television a, a commercial for one of those companies that 
remodels bathrooms in your house. And, it, and, and the, the dialogue in this commercial really caught my attention because it begins with a young woman talking with the interviewer and saying, you know, we bought, we bought our home and some things about the new home were outdated and one of them was the bathroom and it needed to be remodeled. And so we called this company. And they came and they did the job. And, of course, they tell about the job this company does at remodeling your bathroom. And then at the end, the young woman comes back to report on what she has experienced from this company remodeling her bathroom. And she said, yes, now we, they did a wonderful job at an excellent price, of course. And now we have our forever bathroom in our forever home. <laughs> did you catch it? <laughs> What they inherited from someone else needed to be redone. But when I do it, it's a forever bathroom in a forever home. I can't get no satisfaction. That's, about, that's a commercial about, about satisfaction. And, and the thing about it that caught me is when they moved into the home, they weren't satisfied. Well, that doesn't surprise me. But then when they got a new bathroom, she thought she was going to be satisfied forever. Ain't going to happen. That's not, that's not the way we human beings are. Nothing lasts forever, not even satisfaction. I think this is a story today about satisfaction. Whether it's a new bathroom or a relationship or a drink of water or a career, though, though um, there are many ways we can seek satisfaction, that's what we do throughout our lives. We, are seek, we try and we try and we try. I love the Rolling Stones and we try. Still, we are always seeking to satisfy our needs. And very often, not always, but very often, we are prone to do a faulty job of it. Jesus is the one who offers us a kind of satisfaction, so he claims, a kind of satisfaction that doesn't go astray and that doesn't wear out. When Jesus declares that that the man this woman is currently living with is not her husband, the Samaritan woman realizes that she is face to face not only with Jesus, but with truth itself. I perceive you are a prophet, she said. And remember, remember our discussions about prophets. We tend to think that a prophet is one who tells the future. That's not what a biblical prophet does. A prophet is one who tells the truth. A prophet who tells God's truth. And this is what Jesus does for this woman. Doesn't foretell the future. Doesn't say anything about what's going to happen in her life. But he, he has this, this insightful opportunity to tell her about who she really is. And to identify for her how she's seeking satisfaction. And how she might seek it and find it more acceptable. A prophet speaks the truth. But a prophet can can scare us with the truth. Here's Jesus offering living water, but that water comes in an awesome package. It is packaged in a truth that reveals who we really are. Uh, when, when I was in school a long time ago, awful long time ago, I was, I was there with, with all kinds of Christians, not just United Methodist ones, but in, in, uh, in the school I was in, there, there were folks from uh, many parts of the Christian community. And, and in, our, uh, in our varying expressions of Christian faith and our different traditions and our different denominations, we found many things that, that, we, that we agreed on thoroughly. 
And then there were those things that we didn't see in the same way. And, and it was always surprising to me that one of the things that we don't see in the same way is a very basic foundational matter of Christian faith, and that is called baptism. Some folks, and I learned very quickly, some folks baptize in a river, some folks baptize in a pool. Some folks use just a few drops of water. And so we asked our teachers, how much water does one need for a valid baptism? How much water is sufficient? And there was one teacher who answered us especially well in a way that I have never forgotten and never will. He said, a valid baptism needs as much water as it would take to drown in. A valid baptism takes as much water as it would take to drown in. What a scary thought. We thought baptism was supposed to be a a joyous and happy and renewing time. But no, he reminded us. Baptism also involves death itself. It means dying to the old life and being born to a new life. One needs enough water symbolically to remind us that something is dying here. Something needs to die here. That's the truth of what we do. Sir, give me a drink, this woman said. Give me some of this living water. That request of the Samaritan woman is the same request we have of Jesus today because we are still seeking the same kinds of satisfaction that this woman wanted from Jesus. Give me something she might have said. Give me something that will stay with me, something that will satisfy me, something that will keep me alive. But Jesus' Jesus' answer is that living water comes very close to being deadly water. You can, you can drink of this water, but this, this water will show you the truth about yourself and the truth about your world. And that truth may overwhelm you. It can be painful when you see the truth. It may come close to killing you with its clarity, but it is alive. It is alive with God's spirit and with God's truth. After this encounter with the Samaritan woman, there was one other time in the scripture when Jesus was thirsty. Remember when that was? It's when he was about to die. He was on the cross. And among his short, plaintive last words were those that you remember. I thirst, he said. And he takes the thirst of the entire human condition to God. That's the truth that is also revealed on the cross of the endless variety of ways we humans devise to quench our thirst. None of them is fully satisfying and finally true. The true satisfaction of our thirst, our physical, our emotional, our spiritual, our mental thirst, the true satisfaction of our thirst comes from a face-to-face encounter with God. In spirit and in truth, Jesus said, The true and final satisfaction of our thirst comes from a face-to-face encounter with God in spirit and in truth. That is finally the satisfaction that we seek that makes all the other satisfactions fade into the background. That kind of encounter with God can be awesome. It can be fulfilling and encouraging, but it can also be terrifying. It takes us to the realm of spirit and truth Introducing us to life, but also forcing us to face death too. Because something inside us dies 
when we face Jesus. The old choices will die. The shallow waters, the flat waters will dissipate. Our shallow and flat relationships will dry up because God provides us with a better choice, with living water. God raises us up to new life, just like God raised Jesus from the dead. No longer thirsty but spilling forth living water for the salvation of the world. Give me a drink of that living water, the woman at the well asked, and so do we, the life of Jesus, poured out for the salvation of the world. Show me the satisfaction of a life well lived, despite the fears and the failures, a productive and good life that is like a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. That is where satisfaction lies. For me, sisters and brothers, and for you, And for God himself, a life that springs up of water gushing to eternal life. Amen.